and Twitter. Right now, it's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Friday, July 7th. I'm Monica Sandreski. Todd Moe is away today. Farmers markets are up and running throughout the region. Some proponents of legal cannabis say that's a great place to sell their products. We're thinking very expansively about the types of places this can be done, uh, as long as we can get municipal approval uh, to host these events. But New York is putting the brakes on the idea. We've got more coming up. And we'll talk with Adirondack ecologist Steve Langdon, who says the colder wetlands in the Adirondacks play an important role in studying the effects of climate change. It's a huge carbon sink that covers only 2% of the global land surface. There's more carbon in peatlands than in all of the above and below ground biomass of trees on the earth. And the Adirondacks premier opera training program is kicking off their summer season with the production of Romeo and Juliet. And it is filled with some of the most beautiful music, some that audiences will know from TV commercials and things like that, and, and other other pieces that they won't. But it's just one tuneful, gorgeous uh, aria and duet after another. We've got a preview coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Support for uh, Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio comes from the Depot Theater, Westport, a professional equity theater in the Adirondacks, celebrating its 45th season, depotheater.org, and by NCC Systems, protecting North Country businesses and homes for 50 years, offering cameras, security, fire alarms, and entry control, nccsystems.com. Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. Todd Moe is away today. It's been hot this week in the North Country and around the world. On Tuesday, the average global temperature was the hottest it's ever been on record. Scientists say the climate will continue to warm in the coming decades with dangerously hot summer months around the world. The Adirondacks offer a unique opportunity for scientists studying the effects of climate change. Steve Langdon is an ecologist from Saranac Lake who says the park's biodiversity is unique. You can go from the summit of Whiteface and see plants that grow north of the Arctic Circle and then hop in the car and drive down to the mouth of the Boquet River and you can see sycamore trees that grow all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And so you see about a third of the biodiversity across the northern hemisphere in like a 15-mile stretch. Langdon studies the impacts that climate change is having on peatlands. Those are those colder wetland areas in the Adirondacks, which play an important role in carbon sequestration. He spoke yesterday with our reporter Emily Russell outside of his home in Saranac Lake. The thing that makes the Adirondacks important biologically is global position and the complex topography of the place. In terms of the global position, we're on the southern extent of boreal ecosystems and we're at the northern extent of temperate ecosystems. And that's 
it's an interesting place to be. It's got a lot of bird, the most bird diversity outside of the tropics and just a complex patchwork of different types of habitats. That's the way things have been, but the expected response of plants and animals to climate change is that they're either going to, if they can, they're going to move northward or they're going to move up in elevation. And if they don't have the capacity to move, they're going to blink out. And by blink out, do you mean... Disappear from our region. Man, in some cases, that means disappear, maybe disappear globally, but at least disappear from our region. And so monitoring all of that is kind of the realm that I work in. So a lot of your work focuses specifically on peatlands. And before we talk about how they're being impacted by climate change, I wonder if you could just give me like a elevator pitch about why you think they're so interesting and, and special. Well, first, what they are... They're wetlands where plants grow and they die, but those plants don't decompose. Decomposition rates are slowed by the wetness and by the cold temperatures. That means a couple things. It means northern peatlands account for a third of terrestrial global carbon. It's a huge carbon sink that covers only 2% of the global land surface. There's more carbon in peatlands than in all of the above and below ground biomass of trees on the earth. So it's a huge amount of carbon. The reason the Adirondacks are a great place to study peatlands is because we're kind of the canary in the coal mine for climate change. They're at the southern extent of peatlands in this protected area. And, you know, what we observe here is mostly transferable to what can happen as it warms further north in the future. And what are you seeing in terms of the impact that climate change is having on peatlands? So this is the tough question. There hasn't been a ton of research on peatlands in the Adirondacks. So if we had great data from 100 years ago, we could make inferences about climate change and compare things to climate. So we have to be very creative scientifically in in sorting out what's causing changes. But we're seeing changes. And we see changes in uh, the forest structure of black spruce. Black spruce is a tree species that dominates the boreal forest from... Uh, Newfoundland to to Vancouver. And in the Adirondacks, it's really restricted to mostly to peatlands with very few exceptions. What we found in that paper I published in 2020 in the journal Wetlands was that the, that black spruce forest is being encroached upon by red maple and yellow birch trees. And that fundamentally... It changes a lot of the biogeochemical cycling over long periods of time. So it changes that aspect of peatlands for carbon sinks. But it also changes the habitat for the birds and the animals that live in those places. And as a birder, what what are you seeing in terms of um, changes in, in birds and bird habitats due to climate change? <laughs> so I've been working and I worked this morning as a field tech on a project that's run by McKaylee Glennon out of Paul Smith College, Adirondack Watershed Institute. So that's been going on since about 2008 or 9. And we've been every year, there's about five of us who work on this project, and we go out to different big boreal habitats, peatland, and we listen for birds for 10 minutes at randomly selected points throughout these peatland complexes. And that work, which is a ton of data now, it's 16 years worth of data, shows that all of the bird species except two that we've been focusing on are in decline their populations. They're becoming harder and harder to detect at these sites over time. Are there land management and climate mitigation lessons to be learned for what's happening and happened in the Adirondacks um, 
for regions around the country, around the world to kind of learn from what's what's going on here in the Adirondacks? I think we have a unique conservation history in the Adirondacks that can't really be replicated in all places just because of the political history of things. But I think that if we can document and study and work in the observe part of the scientific method, we can come to understand the value of these places regionally throughout the country and the continent. That was ecologist Steve Langdon speaking in Saranac Lake yesterday with our reporter Emily Russell. You can keep up with news from the station throughout the day at our website, ncpr.org, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's just about 10 after 8. Good morning. I'm Monica Sandreski. Todd is away today. Coming up, we'll take a look at some of the haps throughout the region this weekend down in Scroon Lake and in Madrid and St. Lawrence County. That's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Northern Light, which is supported by the Adirondack Foundation, helping people and families build a legacy of generosity for the Adirondacks, adirondackfoundation.org and ADK Action, working towards a sustainable future for people and nature in the greater Adirondack region. More at adkaction.org. Music now by Billy McInnes out of Brockville, Ontario. It's part of our Underscore Project, which features the music of region of musicians throughout the region, from Evan Beanster, I'm thinking of, to Beth Robinson and Potsdam, Caitlin Scholl in Lake Placid, and of course, Billy McKinnis here in Brockville. If you're a musician and you're interested in having your music featured uh, during our news programs like this one, reach out to radio at ncpr.org. North Country Congresswoman Elise Stefanik introduced a bill yesterday that would increase the amount of time per year that some Canadians can spend in the United States. Stefanik introduced the bill called the Canadian Snowbird Visa Act with Congressman Greg Stanton, a Democrat from Arizona. U.S. law currently limits Canadian visitors to spending no more than 182 days in the country per year. Under the Snowbird Act, that limit would be raised to 240 days, an increase of roughly two months. The bill is targeted towards retirees. It would only apply to Canadians over the age of 50 who own or rent homes in the U.S. They would still keep their non-resident tax status and would not be allowed to work for U.S. employers or apply for public assistance. Stefanik said in a press release that Canadian visitors are important to the North Country's economy, especially the tourism sector. Seven fire departments in Jefferson County are getting almost $650,000 for new equipment. 
Senators Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand announced the funding yesterday. The senators said some of the equipment the fire departments have has been in use since 1996. That's according to the Watertown Daily Times. The money will come from the Homeland Security's Assistance to Firefighters grant. The program aims to help small fire departments afford the equipment they need to serve their communities safely. Altogether, the seven departments will be able to purchase about 150 complete sets of protective firefighting gear. Governor Kathy Hochul's administration is backpedaling on a proposal to allow New York-grown cannabis to be sold at farmers markets this summer. From Albany, Karen DeWitt has more. The move could have helped the 200 or so farmers who have obtained growing licenses from the state's Office of Cannabis Management, which is overseeing the fledgling legal cannabis industry in New York. The state has approved over 150 retail licenses since the adult use of recreational cannabis was legalized over two years ago. But due to delays and funding issues, fewer than two dozen stores have opened so far in the entire state. That's left the cannabis growers stranded with next to no legal outlets to sell their crops. At a May town hall meeting that the office held with the growers, Director of Policy John Coggia laid out a proposal to let them set up booths at summer farmers markets where adults over the age of 21 could buy their products. He says the farmers could gain access to the markets through one of the state's licensed retailers. We're thinking very expansively about the types of places this can be done. Uh, As long as we can get municipal approval, uh, to host these events. We're going to be pretty liberal in trying to have these be events that can both be set up as independent type farmers markets. So if you, if you have a farm, if you have a, a, a location that uh, you want to set up an, an event, we'll support that. But also if you want to piggyback on an event that already exists, a concert, a festival, some other sort of agricultural event, and there's a way to get our cannabis folks in there. We, we would love for that to happen. Kagia told the growers that he had authorization at a high level to discuss the plans with them. We hope that the farmers markets will present an opportunity to finally unlock this product and help New Yorkers see the excellent quality that, that you guys have grown. Many growers welcome the idea. At the time of the meeting, officials said they expected the first sales to begin within a few weeks. But those weeks have past, as well as the July 4th holiday weekend, and the plans have not advanced. An OCM spokesman in a statement took a much more neutral stance on the proposal. While spokesman Aaron Gittleman says they are always open to considering opportunities to strengthen the state's cannabis industry, he also says no final decisions have been made with respect to the farmers' markets. Potential barriers to the farmer's market model include some local governments that have opposed retail cannabis shops and the fact that the drug is still illegal under federal law and the markets could jeopardize federal funding. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. The Messina Airport will be closed for improvements from July 12th through August 3rd. The airport is undergoing a runway rehabilitation project, according to the Watertown Daily Times. It had originally been scheduled to close this week, but the airport delayed the shutdown. Town Supervisor Susan J. Beller said Boutique Air, the airline that operates in Messina, will let passengers know about the change in dates. Boutique runs three daily flights between Messina and Boston. 
If you've turned 30 but still harbor dreams of joining the New York State Police, there's good news. Governor Hochul has approved a request to raise the maximum age to apply to become a state trooper from 29 years old to 34. In a statement, Acting Superintendent Stephen Negrelli says it will allow state police to, quote, recruit the most diverse and skilled group of candidates possible. The next application process begins Saturday and runs through September. An 18-year-old Akwesasne Mohawk man has started his professional hockey journey after getting drafted by the NHL's Anaheim Ducks. Carey Terrence Jr. spent this week at the Ducks development camp. The St. Regis Mohawk tribe hosted a draft watch party at Generations Park last week. Terrence told Media Wednesday that's where he'd play lacrosse and skate in the winters growing up. The support's been, it's been unreal from home. I can't thank everyone enough. Terrence said it's important to him to be a role model for younger Indigenous players. Kind of my drive right now is showing the younger generation and the younger kids that um, it is possible and um, you guys and you guys can do it. So um, you know, as a I was that age at at one point, just kind of playing hockey and lacrosse and kind of not knowing where I was going to go. So um, you know, I was in their shoes before too. Terrence was drafted 59th overall in the NHL draft last week. He spent the last two years playing for the Erie Otters in the Ontario Hockey League. He said he plans to spend the rest of the summer skating and training before another season with them. Country Public Radio. I'm Monica Sandrasky. Todd is away today. Coming up in just a minute, we'll take a look at some of the events going on throughout the region. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note coming up at 842. But first, we've got to take a look at the weather. Last check, it was 73 degrees in Alex Bay, 74 in Queensbury, 73 in Chattagay, and 69 degrees in Long Lake. Mostly cloudy skies for much of the region except down near Lake George, Queensbury area. Sunny skies right now, but scattered storms are expected throughout much of the region with highs in the mid to upper 80s or low to upper 80s. Thunderstorms are expected to continue overnight and into the day tomorrow for much of the region. If you're in the Tug Hill Plateau, though, and and, uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway, looks like you should have partly sunny skies tomorrow. But for a look at what that means for the trail conditions in the Adirondacks, here's John Warren with the New York Almanac. Sunrise will be at about 5.15 and sunset at about 8.40. Numerous rain showers and strong to severe thunderstorms are expected today. Be prepared for gusty winds, hail, and heavy rainfall. These storms could cause some local flooding and make stream crossings difficult or impassable, even into Saturday morning. After a brief respite Saturday, heavy rainfall is again possible on Sunday into Monday. Be sure to watch the weather closely through the weekend for updates. Stay off summits and open water during thunderstorms. High peak summit temperatures are forecast to be in the lower to mid-60s through the weekend. Waters around the region are already above normal levels for this time of year, some well above normal. The Hudson River gauge at North Creek is already at about 5 feet and expected to rise. At Piercefield, the Racket River is at about 5.5 feet. 
Lake Champlain is almost 96 feet on the gauge a little north of Whitehall. We're seeing some remarkably warm water temperatures for this early in the summer. Upper Saranac Lake and Mirror Lake both reached into the upper 70s yesterday. Lake Champlain and Lake George are mostly in the lower to mid-70s, but some shallower bays are warmer. Hiker information stations will be up 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday at Mount Van Hovenberg, Sunday at the Garden Trailhead, and Monday at the Cascade Mountain Trailhead. Hiker shuttles are not running on Route 73, and the High Peaks parking areas will fill early. This is a good time to explore less visited places around the Adirondack Park. There will be some construction on Route 73 between Upper Cascade Lake and Bobsled Run Road on Monday and Tuesday. Those are the outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com. You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's about 20 after 8. I'm Monica Sandreski. The Adirondacks is home to one of the world's premier opera training programs. For more than 100 years, the uh, the Siegel Festival in Scroon Lake has invited singers who become the next generation of top opera performers to come to the Adirondacks and live alongside their counterparts all summer, learning from each other, taking classes from the industry's top trainers, and performing a season of shows for us. I caught up with Darren Woods, the Seagulls creative director this week, to hear about their first show of the season. We're in the midst of our first production, Romeo and Juliet, and, uh, you know, it's the classic uh, Shakespeare's tale that everybody knows. But, uh, you know, when Guno set this, he, because if you set every word of Shakespeare, you'd be in, in an opera that's like eight hours long. So this is only two hours. So basically, it, it sort of hits the highlights. Our director, Dale Gerard, has really chosen to show um, the love and, and the growth of Romeo and Juliet over these few days when they meet, fall in love, get married, and, and tragically end uh, and die. Unlike the play where, at the end, Romeo and Juliet never see each other. He comes into the tomb. He assumes she's dead. He takes the poison. He dies. She wakes up, sees that he's dead, and she stabs herself. In the opera, Guno gives us a chance to see the lovers one more time. So when Romeo comes into the tomb, he sees Juliet. He has this really fabulous aria, and then he takes the poison. And before he can succumb to it, she wakes up, and they, for one moment, have this wonderful aria of hope and how they're going to live for forever, and then he falls, and he realizes, oh, he's done this terrible thing, and then, then, then the tragedy takes hold, but we do get to see the hope of lovers one more time, and it is filled with some of the most beautiful music, some that audiences will know from TV commercials and things like that, and, and other, other pieces that they won't, but it's just one tuneful, gorgeous uh, aria and duet after another. What's the significance, what's the meaning of everybody, all the performers staying and living together throughout these few months in the summer? I mean, that just must be like a creative energy that's just hard to find. It really is. I mean, we live together. We're all on the same campus. We There's 65 of us that eat together, three meals a day. It is a lot of togetherness. You know, that's why we insist that everybody be in the first show and everybody be in the last show because that working together from the very first day, they are all about putting on a show in, you know, two and a half weeks. And that's all they've got. And this time it's in French and it's double cast. So that was laying it on really tough. So they have to 
learn to rely on each other and to trust each other from the get-go. And that's, that's what makes the magic happen, is, get, is watching them go, I've only known this person for 24 hours, but I've got to trust that they're going to be there for me and I'm going to be there for them you know, when this high note in the duet comes or when this, you know, in Romeo and Juliet, there's a lot of incredible sword fights. And I mean, they're harrowing sword fights. Our fight choreographer has really give, is, is given the audience a, an amazing, you know, ride on these sword fights. But you've got to trust that that colleague is going to have that sword come exactly where you practice every time. So building that trust, building that collegiality is a part of living together, you know, 24-7. Are there certain aspects of this that you're particularly excited about or elements that you're really looking forward to? Well, you know, the, the, the cast is really terrific. Uh, as I said, I love the fight scenes. The duets between Romeo and Juliet are just sumptuous. And so, I, like, the thing about Romeo and Juliet is just revel in the story that you know, but also you can see them grow up musically. And Juliet's first aria, which is Jovaviva, she's just a young girl who's coming out of the convent and she thinks she's going to marry Paris. There's this beautiful party all for her. And she reacts that as a young girl might. And then she falls in love and then she gets married. And then she has to choose Romeo, who's been exiled and how she defies her family because of this love. And musically, you can hear her grow up and hear Romeo grow up over the course of the two acts of the opera. And it's a lot to pack into two hours. I think with intermission, it's two, two hours and, and 20 minutes. But it's just glorious music. If, if you really love going to the opera just to revel in gorgeous music, this is the one to go to. That was Darren Woods, the creative director at the Siegel Festival in Scroon Lake. We'll be hearing more from Woods about the festival in the coming weeks. You can find out their full schedule at their website, SiegelFestival.org. So many events going on throughout the region. A St. Lawrence County restaurant will be hosting a community fundraiser tomorrow to help them raise money to help rebuild the business after a fire earlier this year. The Blue House Restaurant in Madrid will host a community fundraiser bash in the Madrid Community Park. The suggested donation is $20 for adults, $10 for teens, and it's free for kids. But the organizers say any donation is welcome to attend. So what happened was that on May 12th, just over two years after Alicia and Josh Talon served their first meal, they suffered a structure fire. No one was hurt, and a bulk of the damage is smoke-related, but it's been a devastating blow to the family's dream. Our Todd Moe caught up with Alicia, who says Saturday's event is a fundraiser, a community get-together, and a chance for the Blue House team to thank the community for supporting their small business. Yes, you know, get some money for the rebuild for us, but also to have a party to thank the community for their incredible support when we were operational and since we've had the fire, it's, it's been really, really humbling experience to see how much people love what we did with the Blue House and, and who we are as, as people. And as much as this is a fundraiser for us, it's also a big thank you to the community and a kind of a way to help showcase some other local businesses that we're friends with and that have cool things going on. And we just want to have a party. I'm super excited. So my husband, Josh, our sous chef, Brad, Will and Steve from Big Spoon Kitchen, John from Hoof and Horn, and Will uh, O'Brien from Sabbids. We've all been collaborating on menu and 
gathering ingredients, syncing up schedules to get to get food gathered and prepped. And I'm really excited to see these guys come together and, and pull off just an awesome spread for the community. So, you know, the suggested donation gets you in the park. It gets you live music all day, food from us and our, our friends who are doing chef things too. Maybe one of the most important things to some of you, In-Law Brewery, they'll be here with their beer trailer and Sabbath's also managed to get a temporary beer and wine license. So love wine, sangria, beer. We're here to showcase them just as much as raise funds for our rebuild. And so there's a ton of stuff that's going to be included in the suggested donation for the Blue House. Um, but some of the things also we're, we're going to be making sure that we um, support those business owners as well. Alicia Taylon is co-owner of the Blue House Restaurant. She says tomorrow's fundraiser will include fun for all ages, from music to bouncy houses, lawn games, tiny tattoos, and of course, food from many local eateries. As we're wrapping up the show, we're going out on music from the Hot Club of Saratoga. This gypsy swing band is based in the Capital Region, and they're performing at the Park Theater's Summer Concert Series tonight at the Band Shell in Crandall Park. The Park Theater is hosting Friday night concerts throughout the month, and they go on at 7. This is the song Tiger Rag from the Hot Club of Saratoga. it for the show for the day. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Then stick around for the Marketplace Morning Report coming up between 8.51 and 9 o'clock where you'll get caught up on all the morning's business news. If you miss an episode of Northern Light, never fear. You can listen back to the archive any place you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our daily news roundup, Story of the Day. This is Northern Light. It's 8.30.